Well, after one-way flow, the US dollar has been taken to the woodshed. Equities have peeked their head out of the doghouse and cries of a dovish Fed despite a 50 basis point hike. Blake and I go through all these factors and more as we assess the trade-off. Well, hi, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Chris West. I'm head of research here at Pepperstone. And as always, I'm going to be joined in a couple of minutes by my good friend Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And we're going to be unpacking, navigating, and circumventing all the, fa the factors that are going through in, in the financial markets at the moment. We're going to look at the setups, the thematics, and the news and views that, uh, that are you know, coming across Blake and my radar at the moment. So I'm going to bring Blake into the program. Blake, we just had the Fed meeting. At four o'clock in the morning, I closed all my positions and I was getting some beauty sleep, very much needed beauty sleep. Um, so I was pretty happy then to wake up at sort of you know, an hour or so after the meeting and see exactly what's happened. Obviously, it's been fireworks. You happened to be trading that meeting. How, how, how did it go for you? Well, you know, what were you doing? Money never sleeps with Blake Morrow. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny that you asked that. I, I had a personal um, event I had to attend today, uh, ironically, and it was something that I couldn't miss. And so I actually traded via the car and stopped twice <laughs> to actually trade, just watching price action, not watching charts, just watching quotes, yeah. seeing some headlines. And I managed to squeeze off a couple of trades uh, buying Mexican peso, shorting dollar mex twice yeah. uh, today. Once just, after I the after the after the announcement and then uh before he's before pal spoke yeah. and then second at the end of the day i added to the position so, i can just yeah. imagine uh you, one of your children on their on the iphone at the moment and you have we got 106 106 36 are we on the bid at the moment and he's just <laughs> bye 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 and blake's pushing over no but you did the right thing stopping the car mate that's uh that's welcome to you well done for you <laughs> well at least i'll tell you that i stopped the car yes, yeah good sure. stuff well money never sleeps for blake morrow <laughs> and we're going to go inside the markets now and have a look at all those factors that, that came onto blake's phone uh, as we're going to Topical Thunder. Well, the first one, Blake, obviously the FOMC. We can't go past this one. We've had other central banks throughout the week, but generally speaking, the Fed are the world's price maker. And, uh, you know, we got a 50 basis point rate hike. That was thoroughly expected. But what we saw from Jerome Powell uh, was that they had closed the door effectively on a 75 basis point hike over the next two meetings. So that may well still come to fruition. It may well bite him on the bottom. Um, but he said it's not something that they're considering at the moment. I think the market had priced about a 25% chance that we could have seen a, a 75 basis point hike in the uh, in the June meeting. So the markets now are firmly priced at 50 basis points. So we've seen good buying coming through in the treasury market as a result. We've we've seen them look, trying to understand what the neutral rate is. The neutral rate is the level which is no longer restrictive or um, accommodative or, or stimulatory, should we say. And he said that falls somewhere between two to 3%. But when we get there, um, which they'll do expeditiously, then 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 they'll know when that rate is. So there's a bit of unconjecture as to what levels that is. But effectively, if the market's taking this, they'll get up to about 2% and have a big refresh and big assessment, which probably comes in for that September meeting. But the market already positioned there as well. So yeah, we've seen a big move down in the dollar. Um, you know, Do you put this down to... Uh, just a, a repositioning market, very long of dollars, very short on risk, uh, very long, yeah, very short on 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 yeah, what we've been seeing in the rates markets. Obviously, it's very high elevated expectations, and we've just seen a refresh. Or do you think that there's actually more to come in the dollar on this back of this? 
That's a great question. And, uh, you know, it's interesting how you can actually raise rates by half a basis point and the market sees it as dovish, but that's what we got today. You know, it was an exercise in positioning. It was positioning 101 and expectations. It it really is. And, you know, it's setting up for, in my opinion, and this is my opinion, how I feel at this moment, it's setting up for a big breakout for the dollar. Not necessarily today. We might be talking about this two, three weeks from now, Chris. Negative. You have a breakdown. No, no, I actually think the dollar might actually rip higher. Right. But but in the meantime, I'm playing the dollar on the short side. And that and like I said, my my tune may change between now and the next trade-off. But the fact is that we technically really rejected the 2017 spike highs in the dollar index. A lot of people are probably, you know, circling around all the all the dollar bears are like double top, double top. I think we could set up for a nice. Cup and handle pattern, if you be to, to be perfectly frank. And that's yeah. something that, you know, I've been talking with my community about um, over the last 24, 48 hours. But the, uh, the thing is, Chris, I think we might have a few days of downside in the dollar. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think it is positioning. It is repositioning. And it is a good exercise in positioning because the market was very, very hawkish. Yeah. And, and you've been pointed out. The hawkish, expectations yeah. are really, really high, and yeah. they, they obviously were today. I just want to say, um, before we go into the next question, um, yeah, inflation, 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 inflation. The market's repriced itself and, and, and come on board with the Fed. That Fed pay, the payrolls number we've got on Friday, the wage data on that's going to be really important. On the 11th, or sorry, the 10th of May, we've got the next CPI print. That is so, so, so important. If they are going to push rates above the neutral rate, that's going to be something the market's looking at very closely. So data matters much more now. So obviously keep those very much on your radar. It does. And especially jobs report this Friday. But anyway, that's not the next topic. I want to talk about risk on. Risk on. So Chris, risk on is risk on like Donkey Kong right now. So, <laughs> you know, it, this reminds me of like that, that Wiley Coyote as he comes running off of the, uh, the, the ledge. And then there's like a, a you know, a, a, a cane that pulls them back in or, you know, an arm that grabs them, pulls them off the ledge. That's exactly what the Fed did today for yeah. the markets. The markets were teetering on that 4,100 level. Uh, we broke below it briefly, did a false breakdown on Monday. We reversed. We're going to get a recovery. I'm thinking the 200 day moving average, but that gives us, heck, that could give us a couple of days. That could give us tomorrow. That could give us a week, week and a half, two weeks for us to rally a little bit. So, Hey, my question to you is, Chris, what are you going to buy? Because I think there's a lot to buy. There's a lot of things that have been beat up. Some of these NASDAQ stocks might bounce back. You might sell some dollars. You might buy some euros. You might buy some sterling after tomorrow. You might buy some Aussie dollars. I mean, it all looks good. And I guess the question is, what do you do in this uh, situation? Because for me, as I told you just a bit ago, I'm buying some emerging market currencies because they have acted a lot better than one would have thought over the last yeah. month. And so I think the the, the dollar max is going to trade right back below 20. Well, currently right on it, but I think we're going to trade back towards 1950. But I think you can see certain currencies perform better, certain asset classes perform better. Mm. But my question to you is, what are you buying and what are you selling? Well, look, I mean, everything hinges on the dollar at the moment and what happens in real rates and factors. But, you know, if you're looking, if we, if we do see another couple of days of drawdown in the, in the US dollar as repositioning comes in, 
Um, yeah, I think yeah, buying the, whole, the Hang Seng, the HK50 will probably work out. Some of these Asian equity markets will really benefit from that situation. I think you've got to look at the crude price. We'll talk about that in a minute. If we get a breakout because we've got a, a vote coming up, Hungary look like they're against the idea that the EU are going to move to fully sanction um, you know, embargo Russian imports effectively. But if that goes through, then you know, you're going to see a pop in the crude price. And I think yeah, the dollar will rally really nicely against, probably against the funding currencies. The US dollar will rally against the Japanese yen and maybe against the, and certainly against the euro on the back of that one as well. So this idea that we're seeing a drawdown in, in, in the dollar because of what's happening in the rates market, the repricing further out the curve, well, if we see the uh, the Russian embargo coming through, then then I think that the euro is going to go down, European equities will go down, and you'll probably be looking at you know, long, long uh, Asia, short Europe on the back of that. But I think that's a really interesting one at the moment. For now, everyone's fallen back in love with the Australian dollar, and I think it's something that we're going to touch on. Um, but yeah, I think when it comes to the rates move, we've had a repricing from the Fed, um, but I'm not necessarily buying this longer term. Um, I, I think that, that, that people will be buying dips in the US dollar. Um, and let's not forget, we've got a load of Fed speakers this week, you know, James Bullard being one of them, Joms Williams, and they may undo some of this, uh, the goodwill that we've been seeing uh, against the US dollar. So I, I think people will be buying weakness in the US dollar, maybe a couple bit more down days there, but uh, we're not out of the woodshed by any means at all. And I just want to quickly touch base on, on one of those central banks that we talked about, and that's the Reserve Bank of Australia, the RBA, as we know it, in acronym land. And we talked about this idea, Blake, that, uh, that we've fallen in love with the Australian dollar again. We've got, they've got this feedback loop, haven't we, between a, a weaker US dollar and what that means for commodity prices. We saw the RBA coming out this week, and, and you know, they really were hawkish relative to expectations. You know, I, I personally sit in the camp that when we go in that June meeting now, we're going to see a 40 basis point hike. They work in weird increments, and that get, gets us up to 75 basis points, and then they can push themselves on more, more sort of traditional uh, increments of 25 going forward, perhaps. But uh, yeah, the market's discounting that. We're pricing about 38 basis points of hiking from that. But effectively, if you look at the terminal rate, yeah, we're expecting fireworks from Australia uh, relative to other central banks, which gives it carry as well. So I think you know, the interesting one there is, will they deliver? Uh, if you think that's the case, you know, how does that play into the Australian dollar on the back of that for you, Blake? Well, first of all, we we got a couple of months, don't we? I mean, well, I guess we got a month, about a month until until the RBA meets again. June. And um, seven, seven why June. are they June June uh, June sixth? I think is the the date. But why why do they have to be the oddball and do a point four percent? I mean, what do you? Because <laughs> <laughs> we got, we, mean, we, got why, why we, we had the cash rate down at ten basis points, right? Um, yeah. and then. Yeah, everyone was like, "Do they do fifteen, or do they do um, do they do forty? Effectively, so you get twenty five and 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 fifty. So I think the the idea that they raise by thirty five to get us to another weird increments is is why the strategists, the economists, are saying, "Well, that leaves the door open for a forty because then the, the next one gets <laughs> us to that round number." So it was a it was it was a yeah. Certainly, everyone was like, "Well, why did they why did they go thirty <laughs> five? But I think what that does is it gives them optionality. Uh, to do a small increment, but I think the next one we get back more to more traditional situations yeah. for sure. Yeah. I'm Th going three eight three eight dot two. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I'm, I'm going forty basis points, which to me, if you look at what's priced out the curve, is why so many people are liking the Aussie now because you know you've got the commodity exposure if we get that breakout, but also um, you know in terms of expectations of rate hikes, you know the, the RBA probably now are going above and beyond expectations though. Yeah, and I and I and I actually love the Aussie. I, I was hoping for a dip below seventy cents. If you remember my spiel about the Aussie, about the chance of a trade of a lifetime last week, 
We just didn't break through 70 cents. I was really, really, really hoping we would just take the stops there. I was just going to be sitting down below going here, hit my bid, hit my bid. But that, that, that didn't transpire. But anyway, I think the Aussie looks really constructive. We're going to take a look at that on some charts yeah. uh, moving forward. Can but I, just... um, but I, I like the Aussie here. I, th- I think the RBA is going to live up to, to expectations. I will say this one thing, Blake. There is not a central bank in the world, uh, at least in the developed market world, that, that, that have, have, have had to flip more aggressively than these guys. I mean, it was only a couple of months that they were just, you know, they were just denying rate hikes at all. I mean, rate hikes were not supposed to happen until 2024. And they've just suddenly out of nowhere, bang, up it goes. And they were hawkish. I mean, you know, when you're talking about people have got it wrong, I mean, I think, yes, this central bank have got it more wrong than any other central bank. And that includes the Fed as well. So that's an interesting. Well, I don't know. Let's, let's talk about the yen and let's talk about the BOJ for a second. (laughs) Let's, let's switch gears because, well, I don't know. Does the BOJ have it wrong here? I mean, what, so I'm looking at the yen, Chris, and you know, we got risk appetite bouncing. Yeah. I, yes. I know yields are coming off a little bit, you know, on, on, on the tens and the thirties and, and after today, but still the dollar yen is holding up pretty well, nudged up against the 130 level and, you know, or, you know, 129 ish, but, but the fact of the matter is the yen, the weak yen has not mattered to the BOJ. And so I wonder if we're going to have another wave of yen weakness coming through the market and we're able to capitalize that being long the dollar yen you know getting close to maybe 127 uh maybe the ASEAN looks to break out above the 618 where it's been probing the euro yen looks like it could you know uh, uh, stay above the 134 level. I was hoping it would actually uh, dive lower, but but look, the, the BOJ has been like, yeah, yeah, who cares? You know, we, we're we're worried more about the bond market, and not so much about the yen. So, what do you think about another wave of yen weakness in the? Let's just call it between now and the next trade off next week. What what do you think here, Chris? Oh, mate, the, the last Bank of Japan meeting, they were they were so, they were so gangster, weren't they? I mean, they were, everyone was just like they're going to blink, and they just said, you know what? We're going to do the opposite, and we're going to we're going right. to show our commitment to fix rate, yeah, you know, JGB purchases at ten basis point, twenty five basis points. They were, yeah, that was that was that was a, that was a gangster move by, by the Bank of Japan. But look, I'm I'm a buyer of, of dollar yen into weakness. I think there there could be a little bit more weakness in there, but I'm a buyer of that. Um, and and a lot of that really hinges again. You know, we've, we've got to see what what happens in the wage data this Friday and the payrolls. The market's looking for five and a half percent there. A lot of it really depends on the CPI print next week. Have we seen peak inflation? I think we're probably closer to that point, um, but I don't yeah. also don't see a collapse in inflation. And from that perspective, uh, you know, I think yields will chop around, especially in the front end, um, and that will yeah mean that we'll probably take a natural catalyst out of dollar yen. But I see more upside risks over, you know, say a month in, in, in dollar yen and the yen crosses than I do see uh, downside in, in in that situation. But I don't. How's, how's, po- how's positioning look over there for you guys? I mean, is everybody still trying to buy yen on dips from a retail point of view? Well, it's moved the flows now. Everyone's been everyone's been selling dollars, and they were actually very much on the money. Clients were very much on the money. Yeah, they'd amassed a very short position, a large short position going into the Fed meeting. Not necessarily a view that that, that the risk reward was skewed, but just maybe the move had gone too far. I think you know, and and yeah. uh, across that, yeah, people were long Nasdaq, and I think they were just seeing this this this, this issue that yeah, the, the elastic band was pulled. I think yeah, a lot of these retail clients love to be mean reversionists. They love to be counter trenders when when that trends become a little bit too mature. So 
I think the, the action was away from the yen and it has moved away from the yen now. And, uh, you know, they're still holding short US dollar positions. So we'll see that. That's that's generally the view. But I don't see the Bank of Japan changing policy anytime soon. I think they made it clear. I don't see currency intervention anytime soon. So if you're trading the yen, dollar yen, especially, you know, it's really keep an eye on front end yields, two year yield differentials. You know, can we see them pushed higher? And that's going to really be down to Fed pricing. Uh, that's going to be the driver there. So an interesting one. Anyway, let's go into some of the charts and let's go into that's the setup. Right, I think one of the first uh, markets which is not really tied to Fed policy and central bank policy, it's working in some sort of idiosyncratic situation, is crude. But I think this is a really, really, really important chart. Now, we can see it just pushing you know, the top end of the range at the moment into sort of 108.50 yep. into those kind of areas. Um, you know, I think if we are going to break through there, if we do see an agreement, uh, and it's probably going to impact uh, Brent much more readily than WTI, but they are going to move up in alignment. Of course they are. Um, you know, you're going to see a situation where the Europeans will vote, uh, you know, will they vote or will they not vote? It looks like Hungary against that at the moment. But if we do see a universal vote, it needs to be universal that they're going to move completely away from their reliance on Russian uh, gas going forward. Then I think, you know, you've got a nice pop in, in crude above 110. We're going to break out through that range. Uh, and so this is a great chart for me because if we do see price, the aggregation of flow showing that they're happy to make a higher high, potentially we can start trending. Now, this has big implications for global markets. It has implications for real rates. It has implications for the dollar, which I think will rally in this situation, especially against the funding currencies. And it has big implications for inflation. So, yeah, while we watch the dollar, we watch NASDAQ and all those markets. For me, crude has to be on everyone's radar and specifically for a breakout here. So what do you think? I, well, I like it above 109. That second peak that you have there is 116, roughly. And that's a 618 retracement. So I think that's going to be really the key level resistance. And that's kind of like my line in the sand that I draw to where we get much above 116 and the market start, stops looking at crude as a risk asset, meaning that if it rallies above 116, we start challenging those recent highs above there, then the market's the risk assets are not going to like that type Correct. of move. I think we're getting to a point where, you know, strong crude is good for risk up until a point. Yeah. And we're getting close to that point, Chris. And, so and, what do you and, buy? And, and I, so what's the I'm trade sorry? then? Well, so what's the trade? If we get into 116, oh. do you just keep buying crude or do you just go I, and I do, you, do, do, do you buy volatility? Do you start shorting stocks? Do you, you know, like, how do you trade? I mean, I'll be a buyer of dollar yen, to be honest, or, or, you know, the, or maybe even uh, be long the US dollar against the euro would be probably a good trade in the back of that one, to be honest, for me. Well, we get down to the, we get down to the uh, three charts from now. Uh, I will be buying Norway, but but things change if risk appetite changes yeah, because right. of crude. So that's it, it's we're in a really tricky spot with crude. But technically, I like that chart, and that is a setup, Chris. But let's take it over to the next setup, which is the um, uh, the Ethereum. And I guess the question is, should we buy it? Get it? Should we buy it? This is old, 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 old Latin the English. Producer's like, it's Shakespeare in the house. It? No, well, should we buy it? Anyway, uh, I love Ethereum down here. I love cryptos down here, at least near term. Yes, I know they've been trading heavy. Yes, I know Bitcoin's, you know, I'm surprised that Bitcoin's even hovering around the 40,000 level. But if we do get a risk alley, a risk asset, risk asset rally, like ETH or Ethereum, 
Uh, we just came out of a descending wedge. It looks like we can trade up to the 50% or maybe the uh, maybe the 618 retracement up there. And, and, you know, if you look at that circle that I drew, you know, just below the 200-day moving average, you're talking anywhere between a 3 to 10% move mm. in my estimations where we go. And so that's not a small move. You, you, you know, a lot of people look at Ethereum like, I'm, I'm used to making 50% returns. Well, you know, that was then. But now, you know, to make a 2, 3, 5, 10%, move mm. i think is doable yeah. what do you think about ethereum here yeah one duff buy it as well i think uh, that's that's the situation for me i mean i think the, the, the wedge has told you we've seen consolidation on the way down it's kind of like that cold spring moment bang up she goes and uh yeah, I think there's a good chart. I think there's definitely more upside risk than downside risk there as well. I mean, the implied volatility, so the, the the realized volatility in these in, in crypto has dropped quite substantially. And so you're right. I mean, there was probably a time and, and uh, you know, six months ago, twelve months ago, where you know if you said we can get ten percent in a day, and people were like, this is why we want to trade it. The the volatility in 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 crypto was an asset. It was it was it was why you traded it. But that that volatility has subsided. It still trades on a higher beta than equity markets, but for it to get into that 50% retracement level, you're going to need to see the NASDAQ squeeze higher, I think. It's going to be kind of this risk on mantra. And probably it's going to coincide with a little bit more weakness in, in that US dollar. So, yeah, if we get a bit of a weakness, a weaker US dollar, if we get a bit more strength coming through in the NASDAQ, then, then Ethereum, Bitcoin, all of these plays are probably going to be your higher percentage move. Of course, you know, leverage and all those factors come in. But I think that wedge needs to be respected, which gives you more upside probability than downside there as well. Anyway, I want to go back into that dollar because, again, it's, it's central to the whole thesis that is the market at the moment. And um, let's have a look at the euro dollar chart there. I've got a weekly chart, of course. Um, you know, very few people trade off weekly charts, but it gives you that perception. It gives you that oversight of what's going on. Um, and, of course, we traded through that, that, that 2020 low, 106.36. Um, and we're starting to see a bit of short covering coming through. Obviously, the Fed meeting very much behind that. Um, but now we're testing that 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 former breakout level again. So it's make or break time for little uh, you know single currency. Uh, we know that there's various members within the ECB board who are saying that we're going to start hiking in July, which gives you some euro support as well. And the big elephant in the room remains, well, twofold. One is, is what happens with EU sanctions. If the crude price sp spikes higher, then the euro is going to be weighed upon. It's going to really sort of manifest into this idea of stagflation. Um, but then, of course, you've got this idea that the Fed, now we've got this repositioning on, does that give us a better chance to buy dollars at lower levels? So for me, this is make or break time. The point of this chart is, is it's showing you the setup that we've come back, we've broken through those lows, those former lows, those swing lows in 2020. Now we're back at those levels. Is this the level, Blake, to sell euro dollar or does it push back through those levels, which gives you, you know, a continuation of that move? You know, I think it actually catches some people off guard. I, I think this is not the level that you want to be selling the euro. Right. I do want to be short euros. I just don't want to be short euros right here, mm -hmm. especially if we get much above 106.50. You pointed out that 106.35. Yeah, we get much above 106.50 on a closing basis over the next 24 hours. This thing's probably going to scream back up to 107, 108. Now, I, like I said, I'd love to be on the short side of the euro. I just don't think I'd like to be on the short side of the euro here. Relative strength has been divergent on this move down. And, uh, and you know, if you, again, you, you focus on the dollar index, the dollar index looks like little double toppy. And it doesn't, doesn't mean that the dollar can't go higher. I really do believe the dollar moves higher and the euro eventually trades down to parity. But I just don't think, I think it's premature at this point. Yeah, right. You know, if you short the euro, close your eyes, open them up six, eight months from now, you're probably going to be happy that you're short. But 
lot can happen between now and then, Chris. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, clients are on the right side of this at the moment. So that's obviously great to see, and and uh, obviously hope uh, you know that continues to be the case. But uh, yeah, I'd be uh, I'd be you know, personally, most speaking, I'd be looking if I was if I was long euro dollar, I'd be certainly looking at those stops and trailing them on the way up of there as well. So you know, you 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 talk about the euro. I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gears, keeping with the dollar theme, but I'm actually gonna turn us over to the Norway. Uh, or the crown or the Norwegian krona. And and the thing about the US dollar and Norwegian krona, we hit channel resistance and we really rejected it. The big breakout point is 920. At the time that we are filming right now, we are just a couple hundred pips above that, which is just a, just a whisker above that 920 level. My opinion is if we get much below 920, we're gonna trade back down towards the 200 day moving average. This kind of goes with my thesis that the Euro is gonna trade higher back up towards you know, the 108 level, maybe something in that neighborhood. Mm. And uh, and I think that as long as crude stays strong, the dollar stays weak and uh, the dollar stays weak and also uh, risk appetite stays strong. And I'm like I said, I'm that's the tune I'm going to sing right now, Chris. Go on. One week from now, I might be singing a different tune. But I think in the near I term, thought you we actually see dollar sing. I thought you were actually going to sing for me, mate. I was really hoping for you. Ah, well, I might sing a different tune. I could sing. No, I can't sing. Not okay. even with the water on in the shower. <laughs> Doesn't even happen. But anyway, uh, dollar Norway, I think it's going to be a little little uh, stop loss run back to the 200-day moving average. What do you think about the Norway here? Mate, to be honest, if we get that breakout in crude, then then I'd be looking to go short dollar uh, against the CAD. Well, certainly the CAD, it would be my preferred one. I think everything that we're hearing from Tiff Macklin and the, and the guys in the Bank of Canada makes me want to buy be long from a rates perspective over Norway. Um, you know, I, so I think tactically, if I'm seeing higher terms of trade than and, and higher crude prices, I, I'm wanting to be long um, the CAD. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think obviously that the, the, the logical thing is, is that we're going to get a move down to that breakout, that the retest of that is going to get drawn down like a magnet effectively. And then we'll see how price reacts and, 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 and acts around that former breakout level. That's what you're looking at. Do we get a cheeky scalp off those levels? Um, but you know, when you see markets dropping precipitously like this, you, you tend to see it moving down there. But you know, whether we're looking at dollar, dollar knock, my preference at the moment would be, if you're looking to go short, would be short dollar dollar CAD, um, and looking to go the CAD over the crosses, those over the knock. That's just my personal belief myself, there, Blake. But uh, anyway, I think yeah, just talking about plays, let's go to play of the day and see what's on Blake's mind and uh, my rather murky mind as well. <laughs> Blake, it comes to sort of mixed emotions. I'm getting torn above two ways here. I mean, as a POM living in Australia, I want to go straight to the Sterling Aussie. And I am saying this below before um, before the Bank of England meeting. The, 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 the aspect that does get me concerned is that, that every man, woman and dog is is, is thinking that this, this meeting is going to be dovish. We are going to get a rate, cu- a rate hike coming through, but it's fully, fully priced in. The question you've got to ask yourself is the 155 basis points of of rate hikes which are being priced into the UK swaps curve over the next 12 months, is that reality? And I think most people are saying that's just way too much. You know, we're likely to get a recession if we're going to get a recession anywhere in Europe and the UK. We've got concerns around what's happening in in, in Northern Ireland um, and you know some local elections and and political and geopolitical issues that are happening in the UK. And I think just too much is being priced there. I think there's a lack of fiscal support, and I think we're going to see slowing growth, which means those rate hikes can be priced out. At the same time, we've got this love affair about the, the Aussie, which we've just talked about, you know, fairly monotonously about those situations. So the question is is do we get a breakdown below that lower horizontal red line? Uh, I think if we do that, then I'm, a, then I'm a momentum seller. I'll be looking at sell stops through those levels. Or do I want to look to leave limit orders into those into 
25.38, which is the implied volatility move on the day. Either way, I think uh, uh, this time next week, you and I, Blake, will be looking at a weaker sterling Aussie. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to piggyback you a little bit with the Euro Aussie because I don't, I'm going to try to avoid the Bank of England tomorrow. But, um, you know, the Euro Aussie just broke a triangle consolidation. You can see, you know, a lot of people, a lot of retail traders have been trying to buy this pick, pick a bottom. I played it on the long side like two weeks ago. I, I made a little bit of money just kind of, you know, playing that little bounce up. But it's now starting to break down with risk appetite. As we've talked a lot about the Aussie, the Aussie is going to outperform, in my opinion, over the Euro. So as long as we stay below 148, which is a, the kind of like the underside of that triangle, I just want to be on the short side because we're following a descending channel lower. And I think that descending channel is going to keep the Euro Aussie in check, might even take us to new lows. Now, if we get to new lows, Chris, and, and I put it all together, if stocks continue to rally, risk assets, commodity currencies continue to rally, then we see a push lower in the Euro Aussie, maybe to new trend lows, then I might be a buyer somewhere down there. But I think it's down in the near term and maybe a bounce one to two weeks from now. And that's quick, the way I'm looking at that. Pair. Quick question then before I wrap it up. Euro or sterling, which is going to be the weaker play over the next week? Yeah, over the next week, you, you I obviously don't know. think it's I, Euro, right? <laughs> I, I, I do, I do, but you know, I also look at the Euro sterling, and uh, and 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 I also think that the the Euro sterling itself has a lot of support around these levels where the Euro might outperform the sterling. So I don't know. I I, I actually think that the Euros. I'm hoping the Euro is going to be, but I don't know. It's uh, okay. I guess we'll find out after tomorrow. I'm 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 going. Sterling's going to underperform. You're going to go Euro. We'll see what happens next week and uh, we'll wrap it up there. Right. Anyway, so lively markets, it's all really to do with the Fed. The question is, is, is this the time now that we start buying dollars or are we got a situation where we might see a little bit more of a liquidation coming through? We know that the dollar is so central to what's going on. We know crude is very much there and that's looking like it could potentially break out as well. So lots of opportunity. Volatility is still high, even though it's come down a lot. Leave your comments on how you're playing in the market in the comments section. Blake and I love to hear them. Love, great interaction last week and some, yeah, obviously some great opportunities. And we want to know how you're doing this as well. Anyway, from Blake and myself, thanks for watching and we'll be back next week for more of The Trade-Off.